Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everybody it has been a while hasn't it it's been a while we're back it's been a whole extra week sorry everyone i was shoveling snow (laughs) we didn't mean to take a break i was shoveling snow sunday was really busy which is usually when we record and then i had a really busy work week and then we just said you know we'll just take the week off ask me how many hours i shoveled snow how many hours did you 15 yeah i know i already know this all right i'm carol ann my back hurts (laughs) And that's Matt. And this is Boost and Confused. Extra so, booze today. Welcome. Because we're not working. It, yes. Also, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Not that. Football game day. <laughs> not that we watch football. Uh, but we're going to eat like we watch football. And it's going to be good. So that's our plan for after this. <laughs> Who you got on the game? I don't even know who's playing. <laughs> um, it's the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh-huh. or the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go with Kansas City because I like their barbecue. I'm going with the Buccaneers because I'm a pirate in my side uh, job. Yeah. yeah. So we're both obviously super into football. Um, all right. We've got a really good topic for you this week. Purely inspired by what we've watched on Netflix yeah. over the week. Yeah. It's been good. So before we get into that topic, uh, just a couple of housekeeping items that I'm sure you're very well aware of. If you've listened at least once before. Be sure and salt your driveway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it is icy. Yeah, be kind to your neighbors. That's good housekeeping. All right. The first housekeeping item is uh, if you want to hang out with us, we're on all your favorite social media platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you are not into social media but you still want to chat with us, you can send us an email at boostingconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Some creepy stories. Maybe you're Bob Lazar. I don't know. Hit me up. Slide in those DMs. Um, it's been a while. What else? What? Are, what? Oh, um, if you... <laughs> um, it's been um, a while. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. <laughs> if you like the podcast and you want to support us, um, you can do that by sending us a, a check for $10,000 in the mail. Put it down towards our mortgage or something. I don't know. Um, just kidding. I'm trying to build a secret underground layer. Yeah. <laughs> that will connect to my neighbor's secret underground layer and create a super base. Awesome. And you can hang out with like the the sewer rats. I think that's more than ten thousand dollars, but it's a great down payment. Yeah. yeah. Um if you do actually want to support us, the best way that you can support us and any other small podcast that you listen to is by leaving us a review and subscribing on your platform of choice, especially Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference in the algorithm and it just helps other people be able to find us. So yeah. it's appreciated. Yeah. And if you're on any conspiracy websites, feel free to share our oh God. info and oh our God. stories with them. <laughs> Um, if you're QAnon, stop listening now. I think the more watch lists <laughs> that we're on, the better for our um, our views, listens, oh, our listens. Oh, God. So throw us on those. 
I guess. O- only don't. if you're already on it. Like, don't go out of your way to join one of these and then be on a FBI watch list. Oh, Just if you're already on one, go ahead and tell FBI guy to listen to us. Tell him I said what's up. Mwah. Love FBI guy. All right. Last item before we get into the topic. What are you drinking? It's a White Claw. It's a White Claw. <laughs> um, and- after a mostly successful dry January... That is not me opening. That is you opening your... What are you drinking? I'm drinking LaCroix because I'm still pregnant. So. That's true. After a mostly successful dry January, um, I am, I'm enjoying White Claws lately. Um, trying to like feel like it's summertime again or, or something. As we're stuck in like over a foot of snow in Chicago. It's fine. Yeah, I look out the window right now in our basement and it's just snow. It's just snow. <sighs> All right. And it's cold as hell. It's not that bad. I'm. Oh, it is cold in Chicago. Yeah. But I feel like extra warm. I've actually been very impressed by my cold durability lately. Is it because you put a sweatshirt on? I took a sweatshirt off actually. Or is it because I finally put the house to over seventy degrees? Did you? I did. (laughs) Oh, I know you wouldn't do it for me though. No, it wasn't for you. That's fine. All right, we're gonna get into this week's topic. Let's do it. Okay, so. This week, we are going to talk about an Area 51 whistleblower. You always love whistleblowers. I do. I think, you know, because I just love a good underdog story. And this one, I don't know if I'd call him an underdog. I don't know if I'd... I don't don't know what I would call him. Like, this guy's either super ultra legit or a really good storyteller. Yeah. Like, absolute liar. Crazy person. Yes. And there's, like, really nothing in between. Yeah. So Area 51 is, I feel like, a household name, if you will. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's that base that all those anime weebs um, ran past, storm, yeah. like Naruto <laughs> style. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for those who've been living under a rock, uh, Area 51 is just a highly classified Air Force facility in Nevada. And uh, the theory is that it houses, you know, government experiments or testing um but i think most famously or most well known uh for the potential of housing evidence of extraterrestrial life i think it's that or it's just a base and they're like yo (laughs) these people think we got something here let's let them think that yeah area 52 is actually where all the good shit happens but we'll let you keep thinking it's area 51 so all right um if you are like me and i won't speak for matt but at least me And if you've ever wondered how, if there is proof of alien life in Area 51, how it just hasn't been leaked to the public yet or become public knowledge. And is it like the world's best kept secret or 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 is it possible that those who have tried to speak out about it have just been labeled as crazy? That's what I was going to say. That was exactly what I was going to say, is that I'm sure things are out there and I'm sure someone has the answer, but... They're on the fringes, but you know what's beautiful about this last two and a half years? What? Is that those people on the fringes are now in the mainstream. Mm, and mm-hmm. now it's like you turn on uh, news.com and, <laughs> and you get you get conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So today we are talking about Bob Lazar. Be even cooler if his name was Bob Laser. <laughs> Maybe he could uh, change his name. Just throw the government off. Look, I would. Oh, my. His name is so close. L-A-Z-A-R. 
Bob Laser. Change that A to an E. Oh, all right. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Bob. So Bob's full name is Robert Scott Lazar. He's Robert born, Scott Laser. <laughs> he was born in 1959, and he's about 62 years old now. So happy belated uh, birthday to Bob, whose birthday was January 26th. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, Bob. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday. So... Bob claims to have worked as a physicist at the Los Alamos National Laboratory in his 20s, where he helped to work on a particle accelerator. And from there is where the conspiracies kind of begin. Dun, dun. I wish we had like a third person do like sound effects for us. Oh, yeah. Wait, hold oh, on. Let that's me just... our cat. That's our cat who screams. Actually, never mind. We need a fourth person on our yeah. show who does actual sound effects. Yeah, let me just, uh, if I say the word producer enough times, maybe we'll actually get one. Ooh, it's like speak the life you want to uh-huh. have like into yeah. existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we are we are the universe experiencing ourselves, yes. I guess. Yes. So. Oh, this is too much for me. All right. So Bob first comes to light in uh, May of 1989, and he does a TV interview with uh, George Knapp, who's an investigative journalist for KLAS class. I think it's just KLAS. You say, yeah, you pronounce every letter. So, and and that's a local Las Vegas TV station. And for this first interview that he does, he does not give away his identity. In fact, he actually goes by the name Dennis. His um, like silhouette is like blacked out, like a 90s crime show. (laughs) The name Dennis is like the ideal name to like fake though it's like a name that like anyone can have but also i don't know anyone named dennis i don't know any dennises i do know one dennis i i do know one dennis is it bob (laughs) all right so in this interview dennis air quotes dennis discusses his work at s4 which is a subsidiary facility near area 51 and according to dennis um s4 is adjacent to papoose lake i love that name <laughs> and uh consisted of concealed aircraft hangars that they built into like a mountainside basically oh yeah did they like even paint it yeah I to think, look yeah like it's part of a mountain mm-hmm. to, like hi- that's super cool super clever so he says that he was recruted uh via like a third party company so like almost like a contractor a contractor mm-hmm. scientist guy uh-huh, yeah. that's how you know it's legit so he says that still dennis Um, says that he's hired to reverse engineer a flying saucer, just one out of nine total that are in existence at S4, and that he alleges was of alien origin. And he claims one of the saucers, uh, he coins like the sport model, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was manufactured out of a metallic substance similar in appearance in touch to stainless steel. That's pretty cool oh it's like the sports carver so it's like mm-hmm. a small super loud it's got some like hairy guy in it driving it yeah yeah extra got, fast <laughs> alien who has like a midlife crisis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so fast forward a little bit from may to november um another interview is done but this time it's it's bob it's not his alter ego dennis um <laughs> so he goes under his own name his own uh identity you know he like doesn't hide his face this time And he claims that his job interview for work at the facility um, was contracted through EG&G, and his employer was the United States Navy. All right, so keep those two things in mind. 
as we kind of keep going through the story. That's in there. So this next part, I'm going to quote directly from Wikipedia because, again, I work in marketing. I was not very good at science. I think science is very neat, but uh, my ability to paraphrase any of this is non-existent. <laughs> I'll just put the, like, the whoosh, whoosh yeah. in front of it and behind it. Exactly. All right, so Lazar claimed that the propulsion of the studied vehicle ran on an antimatter reactor and was fueled by the chemical element with atomic number 115, which at the time was provisionally named Unipenium. Unipentium. 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 And had not been artificially created. Um, it was first synthesized in 2003 and later called Muscovium. And he further said that the propulsion system relied on a stable isotope of E-115, so element 115, which allegedly generates a gravity wave that allowed the vehicle to fly and to evade visual detection by bending light around it. No stable isotopes of Muscovium, I hope I'm saying that right, have been synthesized. All have proven extremely radioactive, decaying in a few hundred milliseconds. Wow. And Lazar also said that the craft was dismantled and the reactor he studied was topped by a sphere or semi-sphere, which emitted a force field capable of repulsing human flesh. Ooh. Oh, no, no, no. I remember him saying this. It was like a magnet feeling, but there's no magnet yeah. in it. So not like repulsing, but like like repelling. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Not like, oh, this is gross. No, it's like okay. literally pushing the hand away like it's a magnet. Reading that I felt like it was meaning that people were like, like getting sick. Gloved. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we're just different, very different. We're on different planes right <laughs> That's now. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so continuing on with that, he explained that the craft was split into two main levels. The reactor was positioned at the center of the upper level with an antenna extending to the top surrounded by three gravity amplifiers these connected to gravity emitters on the lower level which can rotate 180 degrees to an output a gravity beam or anti-gravity wave and that the craft would then travel belly first into this distortion field right so our typical view of ufos flying say like in the atmosphere we see them like right side up mm -hmm. you know like a a typical ufo shape but once he said they hit space, they go sideways pretty yeah. much. And that those propulsion devices kind of like rotate. And one of them kind of like pinches and just zoom, zoom. You just yep. go. Zoom, zoom is basically how I could have just paraphrased actually that entire. <laughs> he has a drawing. So he, he drew a, a schematic. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a great like. Uh, Instagram picture for us or something because mm -hmm. oh, like, it's I'll really that, yeah. hard to describe without seeing a drawing yeah. but like he drew it and he said like it forms a gravity wave but like it's like a heart shape yes and that once it goes belly sideways the one pushes it and it just pinches and it just goes yeah. really 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 fast using gravity waves yeah. like like it creates its its own gravity waves so I'm really happy that you brought that up because that's going to play a lot into the part later in this episode where it gets really weird. Because if you can believe it, uh, this is not the weird part yet. All right. So it's important to kind of raise the point that Bob admits that he has like no proof pretty much other than his word. His word 
is gospel in the story basically yeah, it's like all he's got yeah i mean that's i mean that's pretty much it um he also says that he didn't have access to every part of the ship just the part that belonged to his project which also kind of makes sense you know so now that we're done with that part bob also talks about joining um the program and like the interview process and this part is like kind of weird so he recalls reading briefing documents Within, like, the first couple of days of him starting on this project, they're just like, yeah, that's that's fine here. You can take this document that describes, like, the historical involvement of Earth for the past 10,000 years with extraterrestrial beings that they described as, like, gray aliens, basically. Didn't he call them, like, the kids? Yes. So, uh, he says that the nickname that, you know his colleagues used was the kids which is kind of creepy well because he said that they were so small yeah and cute small smol smol small (laughs) um and so uh allegedly these aliens are from a planet orbiting the two binary or sorry the twin binary star system zeta reticuli zeta reticuli that is very impressive very well done i was gonna cut you off and say it for you but there i go look at me i'm so smart uh i'm so smart i have to take an entire chunk of writing from wikipedia because i can't even (laughs) that's fine all right so at the time that we're recording this podcast which is february 7th of 2021 no extrasolar uh, planets have been found in the system that we know about well like finding out how they actually find a planet it's not like they see it they actually find a star and when the light dims ever so slightly and it's somewhat um, rhythmic, that's how they find the planet. But what really gets me going here is they can look at that light and then zoom in on it and they can go, oh, that's like a water planet. And it's this big and it's this hot there. Like, how the hell do they do that? But yeah. Aliens. But like you said, they have not claimed anything about this alleged uh, system. That we know of. Yeah, I mean, of course they're going to. I mean, if there is something actually there, they'll be like, oh, yeah, there's nothing there. But over here, look at this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just full of, like, rocks and stuff. Let's send something back up to Mars as, like, a distraction, I'm sure. I don't know. <laughs> Daddy Elon taking us to the moon. <laughs> yeah, me and all my GME earnings. Just kidding. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's too soon. All right. So, still in 1989, and uh, Bob goes on to discuss the seats of the saucer, which is what you were just saying. So he says that they're pretty much child size and they match up with the size of like the alien cadavers that he had seen. And he's also very careful to say that he never actually saw live aliens, but that he did see like alien cadavers, basically. That's wild. Um, And so he discusses an incident where he's like walking down this hallway in S4 that he says, like, I probably shouldn't have even been there. Um but he looks through this like door window. Oh, he like glanced yeah. through it. Like he said it was like a fourth of a second. Yes. And he said he what what he interprets basically is he sees these two men in lab coats who are facing down and talking to something with like small long arms. So he does another interview like 30 years later from this and says he doesn't think he saw an alien, but he's thinking that maybe what he did see is like 
they had this doll that they were using almost for like reference for the size mm-hmm. of the alleged mm-hmm. aliens um and then again like nicknamed them the kids which is kind of <laughs> yeah sure bob <laughs> wink didn't see any aliens <laughs> yeah. bob okay bob <laughs> wink wink so you're probably thinking how does someone come to work on a project like this especially within like the first couple of days where you're handed allegedly very classified documents and like what kind of background do you have to have also how are you still alive yeah like how have you not been found unconscious on a boat and the (laughs) boat happens to explode or you get found at the bottom of a river on accident i mean that's the entire question that i have is how like how do you how do you how do you say all these things and you just live yeah yeah you throw (laughs) them out there and FBI is not like, yo, take this guy out. All right. So Bob says he has a master's in physics from MIT and a master's in electronic technology from Caltech, which, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. I feel like that kind of background would apply. Qualifying things to have a yeah. job of this nature. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. yeah, that's probably how we got the interview. But all right. Now is when we're going to start to break things down and where it gets really weird as if like all this shit before wasn't weird enough so the first thing that's probably interesting disturbing eg&g and the united states air force uh have like no records of bob lazar um they like discredit his employment at this you know subsidiary facility and here's why it's weird that they're gonna dispute this So his alleged employment as a physicist at Los Alamos um, is mentioned in at least like three news articles, Mm -hmm. all in 1982. And they focus on his like interest in jet powered cars or jet cars. Um, And so it's weird that they like (laughs) say like, oh, yep, no record of him like even doing anything in this field of work. And then when they were called upon this, like decades later, they're like, oh, no, it is a printing error in three articles well <laughs> that error? that and he's also in the phone directory for the laboratory yeah <laughs> he's yeah, he's literally like here. <laughs> which you know what looking at the photo of the of the um phone directory there's a lot of names that start with l-a-z-a-r there's like 10 lazaruses working for this company yeah but no he's totally in the phone directory and they're like, oh, yeah, nope, doesn't exist, never worked for us. This is clearly, um, it screams of a, like, cover-up. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so it's also interesting, I, I find this part really weird. They claim that there's no record of him working at S4, but also, okay, so S4 is a real place. This is a very real place. However... The first time it's ever really mentioned or put into the books or put it on the map is in 1989 when Bob talks about S4. Mm-hmm. So if he never worked there, never had any involvement, how in the hell would he have known about this place otherwise? No, like, oh, no, we've always been there. We're totally just doing our normal <laughs> yeah. job. This guy is just crazy. But yeah, no, totally have, have always been here. Yeah, no, not, nothing strange here, boss keeping on with this like cover-up thing um there are also no records of bob attending uh either mit or caltech 
Uh, and he says, it's not like they're going to hire me right out of high school, right? So like something had to happen between. I mean, he says this like three or four times mm-hmm. in our little Netflix binge that night. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, they totally hired a high school student. Uh, so did the schools like scrub records of Bob? Uh, because the FBI guy said, yo, scrub this guy or what? I feel like also back in that time. It's so easy to, like, erase somebody's existence, right? Because you didn't really have the internet, like, widespread where everybody's on social media and everything is documented. Like, it would be so easy to be like, oh, yeah, nope, like, this Excel row deleted, therefore Bob Lazar never existed in our system. <laughs> I keep saying that we live in a time where, like, I can never, like, do a serious crime. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way to get around, you know, facts and like, you know, there's always something tracking me. Those facts always getting in the way. Those damn facts. (laughs) But like go back 30, 40, 50 years, I'm thinking like Jack the Ripper time. I mean, yeah. You can do anything. Yeah. You can do anything. Anything that you set your mind to, like disappearing off the face of the earth yeah you could totally go off the grid because there's no grid the flip side of that as as well is like you know taking this a a little bit more into a roundabout approach is it's also really easy for bob to maybe just make up that he went to mit and caltech you know keeping on that note people who i guess actually work in physics say that a lot of what bob says doesn't make sense and he seems to lack an understanding of even like an undergraduate's um, understanding of physics to begin with. And uh, in one of his interviews, Bob discusses that the physics used to create the saucer is an entirely new, uh, different set of physics that we as humans don't really know about. I feel like that would make sense. Sure. Why not? Physics that we don't understand. I, yeah, so like if you if you think about it, it makes sense. So Bob in this documentary has an example where he pretty much says if you bring modern technology back to before the Victorian times, they're not going to understand any of what they're looking at and it won't seem to make sense. And that same sort of thinking I feel like almost applies here. Like maybe it's it's possible that 40, 50, 200 years from now, like you look back at some of the shit that Bob said and you're like, oh yeah, no, he was absolutely right. It's like third grade stuff now. Yeah, exactly. But like right now, like it's just not something that we know about. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, one of Bob's claims back in 1989 was that we got it wrong when it came to fictional accounts like movies of how saucers flew. He said that they actually fly, like we said earlier, um, like belly forward. Mm-hmm. and not the way that we've kind of always seen them, kind of like um, Independence Day, where yeah. belly down blasts the White House. Yeah. Uh, the Pentagon recently released videos in 2017 of a UFO uh, that flew close to Bob's um, predictions on, a, on his account. Yeah, I think this is maybe, I don't know, if I'm Bob and like I did actually go through all this shit and I'm, saying the same message for the last 30 years and then the pentagon releases a video like a couple years ago and he's kind of like spot on (laughs) he's just kind of like see i'm i'm not 
I'm not lying. Yeah, I mean, I I would feel so is vindicated. Vindicated yeah. is the word. I love the word vindicated. Yeah. So there's a, another like local news channel to Vegas called Eight News Now, that does this kind of extensive piece uh, that ties some of this in together. Um, but I'm just gonna read a little snippet from it. So it says in this video, there's a mechanistic mechan. Oh my god. Mechanistic. Jesus. Gotcha. Did it. <laughs> Mansplain. Complete for the day. Uh, turn against the wind without deceleration. And so we have a craft without rotors, without heat signatures, without plums, without tin, tin fails, tail fins, <laughs> and certainly no tail number, moving in a way that is counterintuitive to our aeronautics, said Jeremy Corbell, who is actually the director of this Netflix documentary, um, if you haven't watched it i would go watch it but the documentary is called bob lazar area 51 and flying saucers it's great so um corbell then goes on to say when bob saw it he said it had to be gravity propelled craft that it does mimic the propulsion system that he described you're right right um going back to element 115 which is a, a super important thing in this entire uh, physics question. Uh, Bob discusses it, and 20 years after, it becomes reality, and it exists. Yes, if you remember from that um, like first paragraph that I basically chopped from Wikipedia, uh, you know, it it does become element 115, like does become a real thing in like 2003, and then it finally makes its way into the periodic table in 2015. Yeah, something, so. something, something created by U.S. and Russian scientists yes. in tandem, kind of like teamwork. It's so good to work with the Russians yeah. and not like be like at their throats, yeah. right? Right, guys? The International Space Station, I think, is a good example of oh, that. Oh, it's so wholesome. So wholesome. Can we just be like the ISS and not be <laughs> attacking each other's political systems? Um, so something that adds another level of like weirdness to everything is Bob, uh, you can see this in the documentary as well, uh, George Knapp actually has like a huge, um, I don't know if I would say investment or like, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to use, but he, he has like a involvement uh, in this documentary. He's like a co-producer, I think. But George, who's the one who did the original interview of Bob back in 1989, will go to the ends of the earth basically to defend bob right and i i mean right. it's it's crazy so i mean like george will say if i didn't believe in bob i would not have spent the last like 30 years basically defending telling him his story and, and backing yeah. him up right so um bob takes numerous lie detector tests all have come back that he was telling the truth and i know that lie detector tests aren't always reliable um Right. It, <laughs> it, it checks more for the body's reaction to like yeah. stress. Yeah. So maybe he's just a really just like a stone cold poker player. Yeah, exactly. But there's like zero indication in, in these tests that he was trying to mislead anybody, which kind of brings up the point like, did he just have like a really bad acid trip and like believes all of this to be true? <laughs> um, you know, and like that's his reality or... I don't know. Look, sign me up for that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Mom. <laughs> Just kidding. So Bob <laughs> goes back to like somewhat normal 
life. He starts his own company. It deals in like the weird, dangerous side of like science and supplies and materials. Oh yeah, I I remember that in the like, documentary. Yeah, kind he's kind of sketchy. It's like him and his buddy just like doing science stuff. Yeah. It's like this little like hole in the wall science lab. They're yeah. just doing science. He's like burning stuff. <sighs> so here's what I feel like is maybe the weirdest part of like this entire story. So throughout his interviews, he's always hinted that he took a piece of element 115 from area 51. Can I pause you there really quick? So I actually like Googled it and Google has this really cool, like 3d imaging of the atom. Is that what it's even called? I'm so bad at science. I'm so bad at science. Oh man. It's embarrassing, but I can't comprehend things that small. How do you get like a piece of this? I have no idea. Okay. Just want to throw it out there. I don't know how science works. I know that when I throw a ball in the air, it comes down. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our science friends, if you're listening to this, please maybe give us like a Zoom lesson. Please on advise. 101 science. Regards. So we can sound smarter. Um, all right. So uh, Lazar and like this crew are in the middle of making this documentary, right? This is the Netflix documentary. Right. They got and, really meta here. Yeah, it was <laughs> super meta. Um, so if you watch the documentary, you can see at which point in the story this happens. But Lazar and Corbell, who's the filmmaker, um, who also calls himself like a protege of George Knapp, um, are away from Lazar's house. They're in this like forested area, basically. And before they get too far into conversation, uh, well, Corbell actually starts asking these like intense questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Lazar basically says, you know what, before I say anything else, I'm, he takes his phone out and he says, I'm going to move this away. Because in his mind, he doesn't know if he's still being tracked or monitored, but he thinks like maybe after all this time they've forgotten about him, you know? Oh, they never forget. There's no way they forget <sighs> yeah. about a guy like this. So they move their phones like a ways away um, just for, you know, safe safekeeping. I don't know. So Lazar is asked if he has a piece of element 115 and he like kind of confirms that he does, Mm -hmm. right? The very next day, Lazar's business, United Nuclear Scientific, is raided by the FBI and local police. And it's not like just one or two FBI guys kind of like knocking on the door. Hey, hey, Bob. Hey, uh, yo, me and my FBI buddy over here just want to stop and say hi. How you been? It's been a while, like 30 some years. No, it's like trucks and trucks and like dozens and dozens and dozens of FBI agents coming in and um, they're they're claiming they have a legit reason why they've come in. They claim that they're here because they're doing research on a murder case of a 31-year-old Janelle Strutzel, who the doctors concluded that was poisoned and died of thallium toxicity. So they were pretty much claiming that they came to see if Lazar sold it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that, yeah, so this is like allegedly their attempt at finding who he sold that thallium to. And he goes into the story basically about how, um, the, like some person's 
husband passed away or something and like basically donated it to Lazar um and then he like went on to sell it and I don't again I don't really understand science stuff but the entire point being if they are showing up to look through previous orders one why do you have that kind of response right Mm -hmm. uh couldn't they just ask for like order forms and stuff right you know no they come in physically in the droves so they also here's another weird part um they also had a search warrant for his house Mm -hmm. and they did not end up actually searching his house because he ended up um passing over like 15 documents and basically gave them like full access to his computers and everything um so he he very much did cooperate with the authorities but um why why would you everything that he does that's work related is at this office so why would you also have a search warrant for his house exactly exactly Uh riddle me that fbi guy (laughs) so so then um a couple of other things about this that are super duper sketchy so uh uh lazar claims that the fbi allegedly repeated back to bob um some word for word parts of the conversation from the day prior Mm -hmm. and another part that i would add to this is he's allegedly at like some ufo festival in oregon and he tells the crowd that the fbi had played an audio recording of their element 115 discussion what that's wild that's wild. Come on. Come, come on. on. Come on. Come on. All right. Oh, FBI so then, guy. Come, come on. Come on. And then I would just add to that, Lazar's interviewed about the raid and um, says he doesn't even believe that everyone that was part of the raid knew his work at S-14 or Element 115, but says that there were at least two mysterious individuals who were concerned with his past and knew of the Element 115 conversation. So what it seems like is that the FBI got in contact with all of these other agencies and basically said, oh, you know, we'll help you out with this, like, investigation and blah, 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 um, with at least some, like, ulterior motive of a couple of people being there specifically around his previous work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, what do, what do you think? That's that's all that we have on this story. That's it. Basically. That's literally like we're at the end of our notes. Um, something about him saying he has to keep talking or else he'll end up dead. Oh. He yeah. says something about like if I stop. Well, I, and also wasn't there like a pretty big gap between the documentary and what's happened before like he hasn't really enjoyed his time in the limelight like he's not looking for attention yeah exactly but he's also he needs to stay alive you know he doesn't want to die yeah that's interesting and i i remember reading in another interview that he did where some like someone again had asked him if he had a piece of element 115 and he goes even like if i had a piece do you think that i would confirm that to anybody at this point no that's a pretty big flex, though. He's like, if I did have it, yeah. oh, wink, wink, wink. <laughs> would I, would I, uh, would I offer to show it to you after we're done recording? Yeah, what, maybe. I mean, this whole thing is insane. Absolutely, I, I don't know. So it's interesting because there, there are people who are in like the conspiracy theory world who love Bob Lazar, who think he's legit, who you know 
believe everything that he says. There are other people also in the conspiracy world who believe that he's actually hurting um, the, like, effort to prove alien life. I was just going to say that that he's, like, some, like, false flag guy. Yeah. He's, like, put there to be, like, a red herring. Yeah. Because, like, when we were watching the documentary, I remember turning to you and being like, how the fuck is this guy still alive? <laughs> like, how is he alive enough to be making a documentary if he's... But then again, you think about all of the other weird things that kind of fall into place of like, oh, you suddenly have no uh, records you of going no history, to these schools. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, like, they could just be like, oh, he said too much. But at this point, if we do kill him, then it's suspicious. Then it's legit. Yeah. So, ra- you know, why not just rather paint him as crazy? I don't know. I have been disheartened by conspiracy theories revolving around like politics and stuff. It's really just kind of like been a huge weight on me. But the space ones, the alien ones, I live for these. I live for these. Oh, that's our third <laughs> producer right there. Uh, Starbuck on. There you go. No, that's, no, it's Apollo. That's Apollo. Sorry. God. Sorry. Sorry. We have two cats and the one who always meows is Apollo and he thank you Apollo cuz he's very good input good input very opinionated good input he's also really into conspiracies he actually just said Bob Lazar is a reptilian person so knew it maybe a little bit too much for this podcast knew it but yeah that's i mean that's really it there's so many weird pieces to um this entire story i i don't know i would love to hear what everybody else thinks because I'm I'm kind of in the camp of like believing him. I don't know. Hashtag believe Bob. Yeah, <laughs> let's get this going on on Twitter. Um, and I'll put it to all my 15 followers. Maybe the FBI guy will show up at our house. He could take Apollo with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this cat seems pretty suspicious. He is suspicious. He's I've like radiating. Like always been suspicious of him. Nuclear energy. Yeah, that kind of wraps it up for today's episode. Um, highly recommend everybody go check out the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix. You know what? It, yes. And then after that, follow it up by watching Apollo 18. <laughs> they really tie in well they together. They actually kind of do. Yeah. They actually kind of do. It's about the moon. It's about the moon. It's uh, it's a weird... I don't know how to describe it. it it's a found I footage. It. It's a yeah. found footage movie about a disavowed... Apollo mission done by well NASA. Um, long story short, don't collect the rocks. Yeah, don't touch the. Don't, don't touch, touch the, the rocks. rocks. Don't touch the rocks. All right, well that does it for us this week. Hope yeah. you enjoyed this weird discussion. Hope uh, it's, you. Yeah, it's so good to be back as yeah, well. It is good to be back. And not shoveling snow for fifteen <laughs> hours. Um, hope everybody goes and does some research of their own on bob and comes to their own conclusions but would love to hear what everybody else thinks i like bob i you know i kind of like bob too yeah so cool well i gotta go get the wings that we ordered yeah and i'm gonna sit here and edit the rest of the podcast and come up with next week's topic so well think about it all right okay all right bye everybody (laughs) bye